0: Welcome back for another episode of Talk to Tatiana. I would love to introduce to you all Jeffrey Shaw. Jeffrey, welcome to the show.
1: Tatiana, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Uh, awesome. Jeffrey, you've done some really great stuff with entrepreneurs, with self-employed people, and um, I really love seeing that work because I know how important having a business is. And um, and so um, I'm really happy to have you on the show for, to talk about your not only your journey, but also the journey that you help create for other people. And so tell us a little bit about how you've become an entrepreneur. What was that journey like? What was that that story like?
1: Sure. So uh, much to my surprise, I discovered at a dinner party several years ago that apparently it's unusual to never have had a job. (laughs) So so to me, I just didn't know otherwise. I've never had a traditional job, never received a paycheck. Um, I I I can't say I had any idea I was becoming an entrepreneur. To me, it was making the best of who I felt I was as a 14 year old you know I saw myself as a 14 year old as someone very shy awkward socially inept um shy withdrawn uh, I didn't see a big horizon on my future you know I didn't see a big future on my horizon uh, I grew up in a community that I don't think anyone ever discussed higher education. I had two older brothers that didn't go on to higher education. They kind of went right into the workforce. Um, I grew up in a high school that didn't seem to focus on it. I don't think I ever met a guidance counselor. So I just felt at around, I think it was around 14 years old. I just felt like I had to take the bull by the horns. Like I just didn't see anybody wanting to hire this geek and I didn't, see any avenue for my future. So I was like, well, I guess I had to figure this out on my own. So I don't know that I could have known like, what does an entrepreneur mean? I don't know. All I knew is that I had to make it on my own. So I started selling eggs door to door, which turned out to be like the foundation of everything. I am a uh, great experience, but I, I grew up in the country and there was a local farm and I struck a deal with the farmer to buy his eggs for 25 cents a dozen. And I resold them for a dollar, 25, a dozen simple math at 14 years old. I made a dollar a dozen and it went around door to door, um, which was the scariest thing possible as a kid with shyness and low self-esteem. Um, but I real quickly realized probably one of the most key components about being an entrepreneur is that we will do whatever it takes if the rewards are greater than the fear. And I had a lot of fear, but you know what the reward was? The reward wasn't, hey, I, I like to put in cash in my pocket. And to this day, I like to put cash in my pocket. And I like to encourage people to enjoy putting cash in their pocket. Uh, But the greatest benefit was how much I was growing. I saw myself growing and I have seen myself grow through entrepreneurship every year since in the past 40 years, uh, more than 40 years now, um, because that's to me, entrepreneurship, being a business for yourself, being self-employed is personal development on steroids because we see, feel, hear, and experience everything at such a rapid speed that that to me, was and always has been the greatest benefit, better than the money, better than being on purpose, better than anything was what it was kept. What, what being in business for myself continues to call out of me is to step into my greatness to grow. And, and, and I'm 59 now, and I'm still, I have a long ways to go. Like to me, this is my journey, uh, to complete life fulfillment. So I went from that, and by 20 years old, I became a professional photographer. I went off to photography school for a year, acquired, I should say, improved my skill set. I had a natural inclination to be a really good, talented photographer, thankfully. And that became my ticket. You know, my skill as a photographer became my ticket to everything because I went to photography school, I built uh, a very successful portrait photography business for affluent families, which to this day, I still do like three sessions a year just to hold on to a few clients. This will probably be my last year um, that I'll do any. And um, in the past 15 years, 16 years, I've been kind of phasing out doing less photography and introducing myself to the world as a business coach, author, speaker. Um, So it's just been this this journey all the way with um, consciousness and Unconsciousness, right? I can't say there was a master plan, but very conscious of the step steps I was taking along the way.
0: I love it. Um, and what have you found to be the most challenging thing uh, while being an entrepreneur since the age of fourteen?
1: Mm. Gosh, the most challenging. Oof! I should know that, right? I mean, but here's the thing. I love that should be an easy answer, but what I love the what I love about the fact that it isn't is I don't focus on the challenges. Right. I, you know, it, it, they get pushed aside so quickly because there's always something greater than the challenge. But I would say the challenge is constantly stepping into the biggest version of yourself. Um, at this point in my life, I just recently did very in depth work about the hero's journey. And in this case, and if anybody's not familiar with the hero's journey, it's a, a construct of life built by Joseph Campbell or introduced by Joseph Campbell, kind of an observation of the the journey we typically go on through life, which has become the basis of most movies, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, et cetera. It's a construct of life and how we grow and the, the caves that we face and the ordeals and the challenges and the overcoming and the call into the, the bigger world. And I just did a huge amount of in-depth work on that, which helps you look back at your life. Um, so I would say the challenge is the constant stepping up into your next biggest, ver- bigger version of yourself. Uh, it's scary, it's unnerving, it's unsettling, uh, but it's it's required in order to keep growing and to not be stagnant. So it's it's always to me a very personal journey. Being doing doing business. Is by far a personal journey and exploration for me.
0: Love it, love it, and and so what do you do now? What's your? I know that you said you've been stepping into being an author and coach, and and so on, kind of stepping out of being a photographer, which is great. Um, meaning not that it's great that you're ending <laughs> one thing, but it's just a phase of life mm-hmm. that's ending, which is okay. You know, we will we all go through these things, and I think it's really cool to be able to talk about it without regret without um, sadness really I mean maybe a little sadness right <laughs> so um, I guess my question is what do you do now and whom do you serve like who's the person that you support today in your main business
1: yeah and it's um, and it's funny it, it, for years my teachings and my keynotes have been around attracting your ideal client also the theme of my first book lingo right it was a lingo is a brand messaging strategy to attract your ideal clients um, I feel the same way today, and it's taken me a little while to get here. I mean, I ran a photography business that was like 100% ideal clients, and that's what I try to get business owners to do, to bust up the Pareto principle. The Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, that 80% of your income comes from 20% of your clients is great for big businesses and governments, but it doesn't work for small businesses because what that's really saying is you're wasting your time on 8 out of 10 customers, and we don't have the time to do that, and it's too hard to get customers in the first place to actually waste your time on 8 out of 10 of them. So, I believe and I support my clients and students of the Self Employed Business Institute to constantly strive to have a business that is nearly 100% ideal clients, right? Because that—that's how not only do you have greater life satisfaction, it's exponential growth for your business. Um, so today, I'm working on that same structure, if you will, as a as a particularly as a speaker. Uh, you know, as we often do in, in the early years of entrepreneurship. I have been, I've been speaking professionally since 2009, but I spoke for the first nine years, eight or nine years, almost exclusively in the photo industry, which was easy for me It's the industry from which I came from. But in 2018, when I wrote lingo, that was literally my, my coming out card. It was like me telling the world I'm bigger than the photo industry. I want to have a bigger impact on the world. I believe my lessons that I have to teach are bigger than the photo industry. Um, so But as we often do in our early years of entrepreneurship, I've spoken in front of a lot of different audiences, HR industry, digital marketing. I mean, I've spoken at a lot of different conferences, but more recently, really since the pandemic, when it gave us all that little bit of a pause, I really tapped into my ideal client mentality and said, you know what? I only want to be in front of my people and my people are business owners. My people are the people that are, you know, they're yes, they're self-employed, but they're they're business owners, they're the decision makers. I no longer want to speak in front of agency-driven audiences or managers or employees or you know, HR. I mean, I I can love them all, but the fact of the matter is who I can have the greatest impact on are as business owners. And I feel such a sense of advocacy in supporting business owners, because I think we're the coolest people on the planet, honestly. I mean, we're brave. We're willing to put ourselves out there. We're thick-skinned and incredibly sensitive at the same time. We're driving the economies of our countries. Like I think independent business owners are the coolest people on the planet. That's who I care about. That's who I serve. Those are my audiences. Those are the students of the Self-Employed Business Institute. They are business owners. Uh, that's who I write my books for. My my next book is about self doubt. It'll be my third. It may not seem like it's for that audience, but it is for that audience because when you're a high achiever, I believe, and my theories are beginning to prove true, that you in fact encounter self doubt almost to a higher degree because you're an achiever, and I want to help people manage that to get it out of the way quicker so they can get on to making an impact quicker. Right. So that's who I serve today. They're business owners. Um, and even more finite, they are most often business owners that have probably been out there for like one to five years or over 10 years. And I say that because um, I like uh, people that are, you know, they've been out there for a little bit, so they have some wisdom already because I can, I can pour gasoline on that and they can grow faster. Um, but I also really like to help the people who have been in business for 10, 20, 30 years that are just finding it much more challenging today than it used to be. Um, so that's kind of the split in my audience, but they're, they're cool business owners. That's who I serve.
0: <laughs> Love it. Yeah, my kids just barge in. Uh, even though I told everybody I'm recording a podcast, don't bother, don't, go, don't come in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had to wrangle my dog before we started, as you know. <laughs> so... <laughs>
0: Anyway, never. I stopped apologizing for that since COVID. Uh, exactly. Everybody was like, "Yeah."
1: It is the self-employed life.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, awesome. So, yeah, love to hear about your new book, um, and would love to hear what what's the core message of that book. What what are you um, what are you working on? Very curious. Yeah,
1: it's, So it's not coming out to twenty twenty five. So you know, it's it's very much. And I'm, I I originally set out for it to be want, wanting it to be about. It, it being about self-doubt. I wanted it to be a little bit more research-based, science-based, but you know what? There actually isn't a lot of research behind self-doubt not being a good thing. There's a lot of research about how self-doubt has its benefits, how self-doubt can cause you to, to pause and that be a good thing. And And this is where I feel like I serve best Serve my business owners best because I look at information like that and said, "Oh yeah, that's all well and good to say from the couch, but try being the business owner who is wants to get to where they want to go quicker, and self doubt is causing them to slow down." Like I'm not. This is not a book about anything positive about self doubt. (laughs) I'm looking at it like we do when we're self employed business owners in the trenches and saying, "This is ticking me off because I, I, you know, I want this thing. I want to strive for this big goal and." you know, I'm feeling self-doubt. So it's a very in the trenches approach to self-doubt, how we can manage it. Um, So instead of the research, I'm basing it heavily on interviews and people that experience self-doubt and how they experience it and how they manage it. So it's much more interview heavy, which is why I'm a little bit of a pause on the writing and doing a lot more interviews now. Um, The core message is that uh, there's a couple of core messages. The promise of the book is to help people learn to manage self doubt, not to make it go away, but to manage it so they can move on quicker. That's the promise. The promise is I want to give people tools to get it out of the way quicker, because we have to consider what's lost in moments of self doubt. You know, and so for example, some of the interviews I'm looking forward to doing are Olympic level athletes. Uh, I have yet to find one, and if you know one, I'm looking for a high diver. Because, you know, we watch these high divers on the the platforms, they jump up, they spin multiple times. There's no way you can allow a moment of doubt in your ability and in your safety, or you would be putting your life at risk. You can't. So how do they keep that moment of doubt at bay? That's what I want to pick away at, so that I can give that kind of insight into business owners, so that they can get uh, self doubt out of the way. Because we have to consider what's lost, what's lost, or you know, what opportunities are lost because we paused. Uh, I will say one of the core concepts. I won't say it's the core message per se, but the concept that's really people are really grabbing onto is I propose that self doubt is bigger than imposter syndrome. All right, imposter syndrome has gotten a lot of attention. It's challenging. But at the end of the day, imposter syndrome is about other people finding out that we're not who they think we are. To me, that's on them. If you want to think I'm somebody other than I am, that's on you. Self-doubt is having to face a mirror and wonder, am I who I think I am? And that hurts. (laughs) So that's what I'm exploring is how do we really manage the deepest feeling of those moments of doubt that cause us to wonder am I really who I think I am am I really as good as I think I am am I able to match my previous successes those are moments of self-doubt that that hurt and I would like to help people manage them
0: Awesome I love it <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't help myself and I wanted to ask you about your book, since you've mentioned it, um, <laughs> terrific. And in terms of working with people, you know, you've been working with and speaking to, and working with people who are self-employed, who are uh, business owners. What have you found to be the most silly mistakes, or maybe misconceptions, or maybe beliefs, or assumptions, or things that? Uh, people who start a business and maybe there's a reason that you don't work really work with people who are just starting out, right? You want them to have a little experience um, in it. Um, those people, what are those people that you work with do that makes you laugh out loud or giggle or think, oh my God, or whatever, <laughs>
1: All right, well two things come to mind. The first is literally why I wrote my book The Self-Employed Life because for years I've been asking self-employed business owners why they went into business and everybody has a similar answer uh, all in this you know around the same idea. Everyone has some version of freedom. Oh, I wanted to or freedom or control. I wanted to control my destiny. I wanted freedom. And I I like to look at them and saying, "How's that going for you?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and everybody laughs. So there's a huge myth of of entrepreneurship that you're going to have all this freedom, and it can go either way, right? There's either you're you've you have don't have this freedom you hoped because you're struggling to get the business going, so you're working all the time, or your business took off in a way that was unexpected, and the time you thought you were going to have with your family and the freedom to take vacations is no longer there. But there's hardly ever. The, the, does it end up initially exactly as one had hoped? So that's that's one thing that literally has made everybody laugh. It's like, yeah, yeah that freedom you sought out for. Now, that's why I wrote the book because I actually think It is obtainable and that is the goal. Uh, my, my solution to how that's obtainable quicker is that you need to build out what I refer to as a solid self-employed ecosystem. Like I introduce the three major components that I think are necessary, personal development, right-sized business strategies and mindsets and daily uh, habits. right. So if we can look at that as an ecosystem and know that we have all each of those three parts working healthily, not in balance, but each part working healthily, we can create the environment for the results we want. Because one of the reasons people get frustrated with the lack of control and freedom they experience is because, you know, they think they have control over the results. You don't. There's too many variables in life. A pandemic can come along like economies change, give up control of outside circumstances. The only thing you can control is the environment you create in your business for the results you want, the the environment you create to attract your ideal customers, the environment you create for the structure of your business, which leads me to the second um, thing I see a lot of people completely unaware of, and yet it's what has them trapped, and it's entirely what we base the Self-Employed Business Institute on solving. It's what I call the rule of thirds trap. When people go into business for themselves, Without it being brought to their attention, almost every business looks exactly like this. Most people spend about a third of their time running their business, the admin, the taxes, the employee management, the things that we don't like doing. They spend about a third of their time marketing to get business and a third or less actually doing what they went into business to do. <laughs> right? Most people will admit consultants, coaches, photographers, plumbers, you name the trade, almost everyone will admit that they end up spending a third or less of the time actually doing what they're great at. So, my goal and our goal in the Self Employed Business Institute is to shift those margins by creating a better structure to your business through the self employed ecosystem. By creating systems so your business can run consistently with or without you. And even the most important thing that we focus on is consistent behavior. Because if you can consistently, if you can behave consistently, not only for your internal mindsets, but also marketing, outreach, prospecting, you know, it's the consistent behavior that makes a huge difference. And if you can, if you can systematize your behavior and your business and give it structure, you can minimize the amount of time that you need to spend running your business and marketing your business and most of your time on doing more of what you're great at. When you do more of what you're great at, that's when your business takes off because you know, you're, you're satisfying the people you're serving. They're coming back time and time again, because now, so now you have a higher retention rate, higher referral rate. And guess what? At the end of the day, by doing more of what you're great at, you're happier, you're more fulfilled. That energy exudes into the world and attracts more goodness. So that that's the the key and that no one ever spoke about. I never had an opportunity for somebody to point out to me that my business should be structured so that I do more of what you're great at. And that's different than doing what you're passionate about or what you love um, or zone of genius. It's systematically and, pr- and practically in your business structuring in a way that you get to spend most of your time doing what you're great at. And that without that being pointed out and fixed, most business owners fall into this rule of thirds trap and they never get out of it.
0: I love it. Um, I've been taking some notes uh, to post on the show notes so that people who are watching can get some bullet points and things like that, which is awesome. So thanks so much for sharing that. It was it was captivating. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, terrific. Love it. And um, what have you found to to be people's biggest struggle? At, the people that you teach in your in your business institute in your you know in your other programs and things that you do, what do you find people struggle with the most when they start a business? Let's say first start a business. I know that you work less with people like that, but maybe there is a reason for it.
1: (laughs) Well, like I said, and, and not that I'm not sensitive to it. And in fact, I've been approached by a lot of startup organizations to, to, to focus more on that audience. Um, because I know I can collapse time for them. You know, I mean, if, I, if people, and when I say not startups, and I'm going to clarify that I work with a lot of people that are leaving corporate and go right into coaching and consulting. A lot of our students are formal, formerly corporate folks that are starting a consulting practice <clears throat> and they're, they are brand new, but I don't look at them as startups in that sense in that, because they're coming with a great deal of wisdom, right? They have a lot of corporate experience. Um, the biggest challenge is clarity. And as a coach, I always say it's the the clarity is the most important thing everybody needs. uh, But it's the hardest thing to sell because it's just so vague. I try to make it less vague by saying, what do you need clarity on? Okay, so you need clarity on your core message. Your core message is bigger than your why. Your why is only a part of it, right? Your core message is, you know, what, why are you really driven to do this type of work? Your core message also is comprised of what I refer to as your unique perspective, right? That takes a lot of unpacking to look at the whole journey of your life up to this point and ask yourself, how do you see what you do differently? Okay. You're a CPA. There's a million CPAs, right? But your life story, your history, your education, relationships you've been in and out of, good and bad things that happened to your life, all these things provide you when tapped into it and prompted through coaching can really help you look at how do you see being a CPA different than any other CPA, right? That, and that unique perspective is so important to share because other people that are either intrigued by how you see what you do differently, how, how you, how you see what you do differently can serve them, or if they agree Right. They don't have to agree, but they may, they may say, yeah, I, I, I share that perspective. But even if they don't share that perspective, if they think your perspective, which they don't currently understand, but they believe can help them, they will buy into you. So that to me is all part of your core message that is deep inner work, likely or almost certainly needing to be prompted through coaching to really come out of you. That core message then is tra- needs to be translated into a clear brand message. This is world-facing, right? This is what you're putting out there. It's more than your brand image. It's the messaging. Again, the topic of my first book, lingo, like really focusing on the messaging. Of course, you need clarity about your audience so you can speak their lingo. So what most people struggle with for the first you know, couple years at least, if not if it doesn't go on for many, many years, is really being clear on their core message and how it translates to a clear brand message for the clear audience they want to serve. Once you have that, I mean, the first thing I notice in my clients and students is that they walk taller. <laughs> Literally, their shoulders are back, they're confident. As I often like to say, you know, you have gained that clarity when you can't unsee. How you fit into the world. When everything you see around you, you can turn it into a message that has to do with your core message. You know, I have written articles and I've for Entrepreneur Magazine and I've leveraged episodes of the Golden Girls. I always use nature. Like I recently did a blog post about a banana tree on my property. Uh, I've done articles about rivers and banyan trees. And I look at nature often and see business lessons in it uh, because I can't unsee the people that I serve. I can't unsee my reason for doing the work that I do. With that level of clarity, you are never short of content. You're never short of uh, your ability to communicate how you serve. And you always have an answer for what do you do? That is something that takes time uh, it, and it takes a lot of prompting. my My goal is, particularly in the self-employed business institute, uh, and we tell our students this all the time, like that them gaining that level of clarity is my number one goal. Um, well I'm giving them all the strategies and tactics, that's the easy part. Helping them individually gain that level of clarity. that's the life changer because it collapses time, right You take that, you're literally collapsing time because you will get the response and the results you want in your business quicker.
0: I love it. And as we uh, kind of uh, come to a wrap up here, how can you share? And I know you shared this briefly, but I would love for you to reiterate just so that if somebody's listening and they're exactly where you will describe, they'll be like, oh, I need that. Um, Describe your ideal client. Oh, and my phone that hasn't worked for a year. Just finally started working (laughs) while (laughs) recording an episode. I'm going to mute myself.
1: I'm going to believe it's complete, you know, energy that we've created. We actually caused the, 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 uh, the phone to ring. So my ideal client, so they are, like I said, they're, they're business owners in almost any industry, although definitely leaning towards service based industries, right? I, um, Definitely have a passion and love for service-based businesses, meaning you know, coaches, consultants, but even personal care like salons and um, you know bakers and people that that serve. Right, so that's definitely where I serve. But because my strategies tend to be very emotional-based, right? How we speak to our clients is tapping into their lingo, their emotions. Uh, the I I emotionally want my clients to only build a business that emotionally fulfills them. I describe creating a website as an emotional journey for the visitors. So, um for that reason I'm looking for people that are eager to serve and make an impact in the world. So my ideal clients, one-to-one clients, um as well as the students of the Self-Employed Business Institute are small business smallest of businesses. Could be a, m- most often businesses of one can be a, you know, a virtual team, what have you, but tend to be a teams of, uh, of even fewer than five people. They have likely been in business for two years or more, uh, unless they have just left a corporate job. We work with a lot of those folks. Uh, but again, it's because they come with experience and, and across a huge array of in- industries, which is also something we we focus on a lot is the, the kind of redefining of niche. Uh, I don't box people into doing one thing to one audience. That's, that's not what I try to do. What I try to do is I I help people find the niche within themselves, their area of expertise, the way they they can serve and have an impact. And when they get clear on that, they then can find multiple audiences that they can serve with their area of expertise. Uh, And that's part of the work that we do to to unearth that.
0: I love it. Uh, Yeah. I actually also, I don't happen to believe in niches simply because um, a slightly different perspective, kind of on that. You know, I used to work for a door company twenty years ago. Well, maybe eighteen years ago, um, or seven or nineteen years ago. <laughs> and um, we used to have a little pre pre-hanging shop where they would drill the holes for the you know for the doorknob and everything else, and for the uh, hinges and stuff like that. And so, the people who operated the machinery, um, the rookies would never. Hurt themselves, but the pros would be the ones who would almost cut their finger off, or you know, hurt themselves in other ways. And and I couldn't understand that. How can you be a pro and do that? But what I realized, and that's why I don't believe in believe in really niching down, is because you stop paying attention to the basics mm-hmm. when you niche down. And um, and that's why I think it's uh, like I'm personally as a as an advisor, as a coach, as a, an accountant, I don't niche down. I have a very wide. Um, I guess variety of clients but and that's one of the reasons you know you we, we both know Mike Mike McCallavitz and mm-hmm. I love how he talks about how he goes to different um uh what do you call those like conferences and things like that like for refrigerator industry and stuff because he's like my favorite thing is to R&D rip off and duplicate what they do in other industries and I think that it's really hard to do that when you niche down. Yeah. But his niche
1: much. is is eradicating entrepreneurial poverty, right? I mean, so Everything comes back to that. He's got a what a suite of eight or nine books now, um, puts out a book every 18 months, and speaks at a variety of confidence. But his niche is he is out to help the world eradicate entrepreneurial poverty and can do it in a variety of ways. That's, that's exactly the perfect example. It's like he found within himself how he can best serve and then there's multiple audiences that that can serve.
0: Yeah. I love that. All right. And um, one question that I always ask, and it has a different variation every time, but if you could go back in time um, and change one thing, what would that be?
1: Mm, Absolutely. Um, Somebody literally just posted this on Facebook recently, like if you could talk to your younger self. Um, So I I had a chance to think about it ahead of time. It would be be bolder faster, right? I mean, right up your alley. Um, It's taken me a long time to, uh, to be bold, to step out, to feel safe. I wish I had that awareness much younger is to be bold faster. Um, because I can only imagine, I'm again, I also am someone I'm very, I have huge degree of acceptance. So I accept that my journey was my journey. My journey happened at the pace in which it was meant to happen. Um, But if I could wave a magic wand, it would be be bold faster because I can only imagine where I'd be today and the impact I could have made if I was uh, bolder faster. But to be honest with you, at 59 years old, Tatiana, uh, and which is why I did this hero's journey work, because every fiber in my body tells me I'm about to step into the boldest chapter of my life. Uh, What's crazy is the number of people known to me and unknown to me that have reflected that back. I mean, I literally went into a local store and the woman, it's a, it was, I wouldn't say it was a spiritual store, but she herself is, you could tell is a very spiritual woman. And she just read me and told me exactly what was going on in my life. She was spot on. And she said, wow, you're at you know a precipice of major things happen. And I had something unusual happen recently where both my front windshield and rear windshield burst spontaneously in my car (laughs) within a week. Front windshield went, back shield went. That just doesn't, that's not normal, right? But if you look into the spiritual meaning behind busted glass, particularly when it's contained glass, like two sides of a car. It is literally, you have, your energy has outgrown the space and and it's looking for air and you're just busting out. And things like that have happened to me so much recently that outside indicators and how I feel in the inside tells me that I'm about to step into the boldest phase of my life. So it may have taken me, you know, up to this point at 59, doesn't matter. But um I, again, my wish would be it would have been sooner, but I'll take it. I'll take it whenever it comes.
0: <laughs> I love that. And how could people find you and connect with you? What's the What's the best way to, to really learn more about you?
1: Sure. Um, well, certainly since we've spoken about being self-employed so much, and I know that's a big part of your audience, uh, a tool that I think many people will find helpful is the self-employed assessment. Uh, super... It's a custom algorithm and super helpful. It's six simple questions you can take in three minutes or less. Um, and gives you back a really thorough report of your self-employed ecosystem, what's strong and what's weak. And people can get that at self-employed assessment.com. Self-employed uh, it's been actually it's the basis of uh of our for our students in the self-employed business institute. Like I have them take it so that I have a starting understanding of of their strengths and weaknesses. Um but it's 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 very powerful, and it lays it out by symptoms, and people can find it. they can identify the symptoms and then relate to the suggestions and how to strengthen the weaker parts of their self-employed ecosystem.
0: I love it. I love it. Thanks so much, Jeffrey. It's been such a pleasure. And interestingly enough, like I said, the phone that hasn't worked in one year actually started working during our creating recording. Creating magic. <laughs> <laughs> how is, how insanely interesting is that (laughs) thanks so much for being patient thanks so much for sharing your wisdom i really actually enjoyed um what you've shared i can relate to a lot of these things and i find a lot of these emotional struggles with entrepreneurs as well um as an accountant you know i'm much more than just an accountant but as an accountant i find um that we end up being kind of like a therapist slash Coach slash support system for every client. Um, if we pay enough attention to to those clients, and for sure, that's it's exactly
1: always, what I, I work with a lot of people in the financial industries, as you know. And I've spoken at ProfitCon a couple of times. And the thing that always intrigues me, and we'll leave it with this thought, is that you all are in, I think, the most emotional business there is, and yet, as an industry. They try to stay away from the emotions of it all by marketing. And that to me is where your strength lies. Like, I mean, you are literally in the most emotional business there is. People fight and rejoice the most, most about money than anything else.
0: I love that. Yes, you hit the nail on the head yeah. oh, for sure. I mean, it's a topic for another episode, potentially to talk about <laughs> the financial industry and how screwed up it is. But um, thanks so much for being a great guest. And I hope to have you back again sometime to look talk
1: forward to, to it. Thanks, Tatiana. All right.
0: Um, and for everyone listening or watching, you can find the links to Jeffrey's assessment and everything else below this video, if you're watching on YouTube or in the show notes, if you're listening on audio and next week, I'll see you for another episode of Talk to Tatiana. I'll talk to you soon.